Hey, what's up, guys? This is Fairy Child coming to you from the streets of Harlem. And today's segment is about life after prison. Um, I have a guest with me today, and I'm basically going to let him introduce himself and let you know his background, where he come from, and his point of view on life after prison. And, um, yeah, basically, this is what the segment is about today, and we're just talking about it, like, do you think... Well, you know what? I'm going to speak for himself. Hold on. Here you go. Hey, virtual world. My name is Diamond. Uh, I just recently came home a few months back from doing 26 years in the penitentiary, New York State Penitentiary, uh, Attica, Clinton, Comstock, Sing Sing, all the jails, the max jails, a few mediums in between. And uh, I'm back in society. I'm back in the hood. I'm back in Harlem. Okay. All right, so how do you feel like being in jail for so long, coming back out into the world, starting all over? Do you feel that it was easy for you to adjust, or was it a little difficult, or you had family and friends that helped you? How do you feel it was able, how were you able to transition from doing 20-something years in jail and then coming out into this this crazy world, and everything is so much different now? Well, all of the above. Everything you said applies to my circumstance and my situation. Uh, let's start with one. One, uh, coming home, uh, I did have a support system, okay. which made the transition back into society a little bit easier. So do you feel that you have to have that in order to be able to transition back into society? Because what if you come home and you don't have no family? I think I think that's critical. I think yeah. having a support system coming from that type of environment and being away from society for that long is it's critical, critical, vitally critical, mm -hmm. because uh, you're virtually lost. You have nothing, no clothing, wow. no housing. No, my needs are essential things that man and woman need in life. Period. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times when you don't have a support system, it puts you in the shelter. Yeah. Which is likened or, or, or tantamount to being back in jail because you go to the shelter, you see a lot of other guys that came home from jail without a support system, and your frame of mind, yeah. your thinking, puts you back into that prison mentality. Yeah. They're stealing in the shelter, there's drug selling drug using in the wow. shelter. There's homosexuality in the shelter. Wow. Uh, there's murder in the shelter. So it's basically putting so you back in a place you where you're going to get back pool, in the jail. It's a cesspool of criminality. Mm. So you're coming from one environment yeah. filled with criminality into society to be placed into another environment of criminality because you don't have that support system. Yeah. So that's why it's vitally uh, 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 critical that you have one to give you at least a fighting chance. Yeah. To get yourself together. Uh, your second point about the culture shock, it was a vicious culture shock for me. Wow. You know, I went home, you know, a quarter I went to the penitentiary a quarter century ago when everything was different. Wow. The music was different. The dressing was different. What year? You remember that, what year that was? I went to jail in 1991. Wow. The hairstyles was different. The hip-hop music was different. Yeah. Everything was different. Yeah. You know, every, every, everything was just emerging at that time and, and, and didn't have the impact on society that it has today. Now, what that has to do with my transition, this. Uh, I never saw so many black men and women yeah. on every other corner begging for change and begging for coins. It seemed like from the time I went to jail to the time I reemerged, they lost that drive, yeah. that hunger. They lost that 
sense of blackness, that sense of strength. Because of the drug epidemic and just everything has you know, changed, you know? Even, even, even a lot of people blame it on the crack. And as you said, I think the drug epidemic uh, uh, had some impact. But so pervasive, mm -hmm. not only in, in Harlem, but the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, Long Island. You have people on every exit of every highway, virtually every corner, begging for money. What is going on? Yeah, it's just... So if you don't have a strong constitution, yeah, it's easy to fall into that role. Yeah. So I had to pick myself up by the bootstraps in spite of that shock. Have you had any times when you were out that you felt like you couldn't make it or you weren't going to make it or you always had the determination like, yo, I'm not going back. I'm going to do this. But did you ever have times you felt like this is hard? This is all new to me. Like, yo, you know, you, you're adjusting and it's difficult to adjust like so fast. You've been away since 1991 and to come out and have to pick up on everything so fast and just with relationships and friendships and everything in general. And how is that? Is it like difficult? Or is it's okay? Like, you know, you just adjusting and you learning, or is it like hard sometimes? Like, uh, your, your second, uh, your latter point. I think I'm still adjusting and learning. Yeah. But it's never been a point, not even for a second. Yeah. Not even for a tiny second. Yeah. That I doubt that I would make it, that I would be all right. Because mm -hmm. I think being all right, mm -hmm. and I think making it, depends on the person. And their constitution is who you are. You're right. You how you perceive right. yourself. You're right. It's not about drug epidemic. It's not about the culture, the music. It's not about what's going. It's about who I am and how I see myself and how I want me to fit into that reality, yeah. not how that reality fits into me. You're right. Yeah. See, so they say you, you change your thinking, you change your reality, and you, you create your reality. Okay, so what do you say to the people that have been in jail 20 plus, 30 years, and they get home and they go right back? And then they go right back for because I have a family member that does that. And it's like he comes out and he looks good and healthy, and then he gets back into the drugs and he goes back. So it's like, how, do you feel that you, you have to want to do better? You have to want to do more, right? It, because you can't rely on the streets to help you. You have to want that. Like you said, you have to know who you are. Now, the issue with a lot of guys like that, that, that just keep... They haven't dealt with their core problems. Yeah. A lot of guys that was on drugs and went to jail because of drugs, they were junkies in jail. Yeah. They just didn't have the freedom and mobility. So when they were released, they were released as junkies, got back into society, and continue on in that lifestyle. Yeah. If you went to jail as a criminal, whether you was a robber, a kidnapper, a murderer, and you didn't address that core issue, then you just a robber in jail. Yeah. Waiting to get back out to rob again. So you feel Waiting to get back out to kidnap and kill again. Yeah. So you have to want to change, but see, one of the things I think the system and most people make the biggest mistake of all yeah. is that they think they can change you. Yeah. Your family think they can change you. Your friends think they can change you. Your girl, your wife, everybody think, no. Change must be a catalyst to come from within you. Mm -hmm. It's something that you have to uh, uh, be the architect of. Okay. To say that I want to change and this is the building within me that I'm going to build. Yeah. As a part of that change. Yeah. All you can do is give me advice. What give do you me your tell, perspective. 
What do you tell the little boys out here right now that's selling drugs, selling drugs, they trying to survive, maybe they don't have parents, they living on their friend couch, and they this close to doing, doing some long time in prison. If you could talk to them right now, what would you tell them since you've been there? Like, what would you tell them? Like, if you saw a, a young boy around the time when you were, before you went to jail, doing the same things that you did to get yourself there, would you tell him something? If you had the opportunity to, to or would you just let him learn learn his lesson? A lot, you know what, you know, you know what the problem is? A lot of these kids don't and, have and nobody to tell them different. And I don't, and I don't say this negatively. Mm-hmm. And I, and I say it with, with, with great sadness and pain mm-hmm. that the young generation today has been scorned so much yeah. that they just don't care. You're right. You turn this heat down. They don't, they don't, they don't care. No, they don't care. You, you understand? Right. And and so when you put that whole idea of going to prison, I don't care. When you put that idea that, man, you can die, I don't care. Yeah, you're right. Man, well you don't have no friend. I don't care. Yeah. You understand? So this is the I don't care generation. Because of all the trauma you're right. and pain that they suffer that was never dealt with. Yeah, you're right. That was never probably dealt with. You know, one time a, a person used to say, yo, man, the black community need therapy. Mm-hmm. And people frowned upon it, man. We don't do that shit we in the black church, community. Yeah, we go to church. We go to church. You know, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> the fact remains is we do need therapy. We do. You understand? And therapy is not a bad thing for this reason. A lot of people have a misconception of what therapy is about. You hold so much shit in. Yeah. So much anger. So much hate. So much suffering and misery in. That it becomes like a cancer. A ball of cancer. In the seat of your stomach. Yeah. You have to find an outlet. To let that out. Yeah. And therapy affords you. That remedy. To sit down. And talk to somebody. Yeah. See once you verbalize it. Comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. It's into the world now. Yeah, and you feel you feel instantly better because it's no longer this secret that you've been harnessing and harvesting for years and years throughout your entire life until you just became a naturally angry person, yeah. a naturally spiteful or hateful person. Yeah, you have to talk to somebody. Yeah, right. You have to let that out. Mm-hmm. You understand? So you have to find out what is my issue. Yeah. How do I get this madness and this anger out me? Yeah, so do you, let me ask you this question. Um, that's that's a real good point that you said, because a lot of people out here walking around, a lot of adults too, grown-ass people dealing Very with angry. childhood issues yeah. that we can't get over. But I understand that. Now, um, I know my people that are listening, that's going to listen, is going to know, why did you have to do so much time in jail? What did you do? Do you feel comfortable talking about it? Or is that something Yeah, I know? did. I Listen, mm-hmm. I was a career criminal. Right. I robbed, I murdered, I sold drugs. I did everything that criminals do. Yeah. You understand? Uh, at that time, did I feel it was necessary? Yes. I suffered from peer pressure, and I suffered from the influence of the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You understand? My definition of being cool and being tough was being wild and reckless. What's the difference from 91 when you got locked up into 2019 where you at now? Like, as far as the money goes, the drugs, the murders, and everything, is it a difference? It's, 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 a, compl- it's a total difference. It's like night and day. It's two different worlds. Because today, my thinking, like I said earlier, I changed my thinking, therefore I changed my reality. Yeah. My reality is not filled with violence. Mm-hmm. My reality is not filled with recklessness. Yeah. I'm more calm. Mm-hmm. I'm more humble. I don't have a problem with saying I'm sorry. 
Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. You understand? How you doing? How's your day been? These are things I would have never said. I didn't give a fuck how your day was. Like these young boys out here in the I street. would never apologize. Yeah. But now I love to apologize. Yeah. Even when I'm right. So you think that comes from experience, I guess, comes from going to jail and going through all of these It has nothing to do with going to jail. But it has something to do with me being in jail and having the opportunity to work on myself. Yeah. And get rid of a lot of the cancer that was in me. Now, am I a perfect individual? Absolutely not. Yeah. Did jail completely cure me? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Because there's been times people got out of hand and I bust their ass. <laughs> I'm at bottom line. So, you understand? I'm not here to preach in the gospel yeah. that, you know, I've been cured in the whole world. It's been not at but all. This is not what this, 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 it's not what this about. segment is about. But it's about coming know. home. Exactly. And I'm saying the reality of things that I face coming home back to the black community and seeing a lot of things going to the black community uh, uh, has been a, a serious, serious shock for me, but I'm learning to deal with it. Yeah. I'm learning to accept it and embrace it. Yeah. Sometimes it angers me, and sometimes I have the type of compassion that's needed to not only look at it, mm -hmm. but not criticize it and understand that person's circumstances and know that they can do better if they want to. Okay. Is there anybody that if you had the opportunity, dead or alive, to apologize to right now? But whatever case, whatever it is, during that time when you was the person that was unapologetic, you know, some type of an asshole, excuse my language, but just all about you. Is it anybody that if you could just say sorry, you know, I yeah, I learned my lesson. I'm older, I'm wiser. And I, if I hurt you, I apologize. Because like you said, whatever you put out in the universe, it goes out in the universe. It's already out there. Is it anybody or you have no regrets on anything? You just like, you did your time and it is what it is. But is there anything that you, if you could ever have changed it before you got arrested, you would have? Because it don't make no sense to even talk about the past. But I'm just saying, just in order to release that into the universe. No, but I think I think it's necessary to talk about the past. Yeah. Because, because, well, not dwell because, in the past. The past yeah, is the, the past. past the past is, is, is basically the blueprint for the reality you're going to create in the future. Mm -hmm. Because it becomes a pattern of your life. Yeah. You understand? But to answer your, your other question more directly, one of my greatest pains, sufferings, yeah. that I have is that I hurt different people unnecessarily. Yeah. Recklessly. I don't want to apologize to one person. I want to apologize to every single person yeah. that I ever done something that to. That was real. That I ever done something to. No. Because I was wrong. I was reckless and I was dumb. Yeah. I knew not what the fuck I was doing. Yeah. You understand? And I was acting ignorantly yeah. because I didn't have the knowledge and foresight that I have now to realize that I hurt somebody. Yeah. That I took somebody's shit. That that was there. Okay, you can continue. I'm sorry, guys. That I took somebody's shit. Mm -hmm. That was theirs. Mm -hmm. You understand? Something that I would never do today because I'm qualified to get anything I want without resorting to that type of behavior. And this is what, and I this is what now. I'm trying to teach these young kids. Okay, and this is what I want to ask you now. Since being now, what are the goals that you have for yourself? 
by being out because you're driving a nice car you're healthy ladies he looks very good he's healthy strong like an ox you know so you don't look like you got too much stress on you, you look like you ain't doing that bad like what's what's your plans what are your goals well, i'm not doing bad at all okay. uh since since i've been out mm-hmm. my my plans and goals didn't start when i got out Oh, it was started when you were still in there. And, and, that, and that, that's what got to happen coming out the door. Mm-hmm. You can't wait till you get to the street talking about, I'm going to start planning. Yeah. <laughs> Those plans, these are things that you think about for years. Of what am I going to do when I go to society? Okay, what's your plan You know, now? some of the things, I'm, I'm a self-made entrepreneur. Okay. You understand? Mm-hmm. I, I done sold hair, clothing, yeah. jewelry. I've worked in construction. Mm-hmm. I've worked in uh, 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 carpet factories. Yeah. You understand? I worked in catering businesses. Mm-hmm. I did whatever I had to do to create the comforts that I need for myself. And one of the things that I always say to myself. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, one time I took a job, they was paying $12 an hour. Yeah. And a dude told me, he said, man, I would never work for $12 an hour. Man, they fifteen, sixty. If it ain't eighteen dollars an hour, I'm not doing. It. If it ain't thirty dollars an hour, I'm not doing. It. Mm-hmm. I said, well, let me give you a news brief, brother. I worked for twenty six years in jail for twenty five cents an hour. Exactly. Yeah. And I did it with a smile on my face because I didn't have any other choice. That's deep. Y'all hear this? So, if twelve dollars multiply that twenty five by a thousand percent, I'm gonna work for the smile for that twelve. Yeah. Because that twelve might not be. What I want in my heart, but it's enough to get me to the next day. Exactly. And all I'm concerned about is getting to the next day. Yeah. You see, I like walking around with some money in my pocket. Yeah. That's deep. You see? And I did that with 25 cents, so why can't I do with $12? You're right. (laughs) So that's where my goals are. That's where my inspiration is at. And that's where my head is at. Okay, so before we leave this podcast, you said you have a friend that would like to do do this podcast as well, right? Hopefully, we get a chance to interview him. We supposed to do it today, but I didn't feel too good, so we couldn't, um, you know, get a chance to interview the other gentleman. But hopefully, one of these days we will. Um, I wanted to ask you one more question before we leave. Um, so you originally from Harlem, or original Harlem night, baby? Okay, okay. There you there you go. Well, I'm gonna let him. You know, go ahead. What you have to say? You have any conclusion to this? You want to say? No, I'm grateful that people are uh, uh, listening. If anything I said that can help anybody or advance their interest of goal just one inch, then I feel that I've accomplished something. God bless you, and I pray that we all have a successful, comfortable, uh, joyous, fruitful life. And I want to say thank you for, you know, letting me interview you. You know, I'm not big time yet, but I got to start somewhere, and I'm grateful that you even allowed me to ask you these questions and interview you my little small time podcast i'm grateful for that and um guys this is fairy child and i'm out so me and dex is getting ready to be out of here we both from harlem and i just wanted to get this across hopefully somebody out here will listen to this and if they have their kids or they somebody's going through some trouble their sons or daughters and gangs or whatever let them listen to this they don't want to go backwards they definitely don't want to do that and i just hope that somebody could get something from this podcast this segment that i um did tonight so we getting ready to be out of here peace out peace out bye everyone you're with Corey Michaels and tonight we are guest starring on fairy child sips and dips
you're all familiar with the lovely Woo! lady from home. <laughs> we are hanging out. We are having a good time. Amen. And with no further ado, I give you the one, the only, Fairy Child. Oh my God, ladies, do you hear that velvety voice? Who is that? And wait, listen, I need to let my guy, the one and only Coco. Well, I don't, I don't know. How do you want to be introduced? How do you want yourself introduced? Coco, Corey Michaels, whatever makes you feel Corey good. Corey Michaels. Baby. Okay, Corey Michaels. Did you hear that velvety voice, ladies? Okay, so we're right. This is very chill. I haven't been out doing podcasts. Well, is that a word? Not really, but it's alright. Alright, listen, I'm from Harlem, so I'm gonna make it work. Hey, we're on the internet. I we haven't done a podcast in so long, and tonight I have some free time, and I have a great guest with me, and we're basically gonna freestyle and just talk about what, what, what's going on right now at this moment. And I don't even wanna sing on some real shit. Now I gotta get real. I'm sorry. Get real, bring it to him. I'm sorry. <laughs> Preach. I gotta get real because I just thought about something and I'm just doing some fake shit. My whole voice changed. <laughs> I lost a friend, guys. No, on some real shit. Like, my whole voice changed. That was some fake shit I was doing earlier, guys. And that's what a lot of things we see right now on social media and the public and on, on TV, all that fake shit. You know, they want you to see what the, the, the glitter and gold. People going through some shit right now. And I just put on a whole fucking facade right now. I lost someone that is genuinely dear to me. A friend and a father and someone that people loved and res- respected because of some dumb shit. And this is what I need to say. Maybe this is what God want me to say and what my soul want me to say. It's like, we always talking about what the white people are doing to us and how we so behind and all this other shit. Well, we, we bring each other down. We bring each other fucking down. We bring each other down. We don't up- uplift each other. We have a motherfucking nigga in the hood that will have be successful, but he won't bring the next nigga up with him. He'll have him chasing and text me or call me or do... Fuck out of here. Bring that brother up. Show him how you got there. And God rest N- Nipsey, hustle motherfucking soul. Um, when you died, because I remember it was an Odyssey birthday, and I'm getting very emotional, but I'm not going to cry because I'm pretty coming. This is, I'm not going to post this, but... When Nipsey Hussle died and that's on the news, and I said, the fuck? Are you kidding me? A nigga like that, Nipsey? When it's all these fuck niggas out here talking all this shit, all this, they're not helping no communities, they're not doing nothing, and they're living. So that shouldn't make y'all look at y'all lives like, yo, what are we doing here? Why, what, what is our existence? What the fuck does it mean? Nipsey has so many hustles and so many shit going on and helping the community. And even my homeboy that died, no matter what he did, if he hustled or whatever he did, he was a good nigga. And people respected him. And niggas just murdered him. And did some fuck shit for some fuck Scooby Snack ass money. And it's like, I'm done. Like, all my, like, I, I'm bitten. It's not even a podcast at this point. I'm bitten because I lost mad niggas to the streets. I lost mad homeboys to dice games over Scooby Snack fucking money. Like, if we don't love each other, like, at this point, listen, take the fucking, take the podcast. I want you to take the podcast from me because you're just chewing your gum and you're not here for a reason. I got my guests here and I'm sorry my voice sound pussy clots up. I'm not pussy clots. I feel a little overwhelmed because I lost somebody that I care for and the Harlem lost somebody that they care for. Um, this world is fucked up. But I do have somebody next to me that's going to 
put things into perspective. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> or try. That's a lot to put on a brother. <laughs> yes, I'm going to explain the entire universe. I'm going <laughs> to make that which seems unfair fair. I'm going no, to no, do no. all of those things here in the next few minutes Listen, on your podcast. Listen, go hold the phone and say. All right. Um, okay. You know, shit, I, like everybody else, I wish I had an answer. I don't know. I don't it's know. not even about this at this point. What do yeah. you feel that... We are as black people. Do you well, feel that we're, you know, we're, we're making so, progress? I think with the, I think that we are, but one of the things that I think gets lost in the conversation on you know the quote unquote black on black crime is that you know it's 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 some bullshit that people came up with because at the end of the day nobody talks about white on white crime or Asian no. on Asian crime, <laughs> and the fact of the matter is is I wherever you live you're more likely to be killed by one of your neighbors than a motherfucker from a whole nother area. You know what I'm saying? Harlem niggas don't kill Brooklyn niggas. Brooklyn niggas kill Brooklyn niggas. You know what I'm saying? So Niggas you know, kill niggas at the end of the day. Why, why are you killing your own brother? Like, what are you killing your you know, own brother yeah, for? There was an old skit on Saturday Night Live and the guy's doing life in prison. And the dude said, well, shit, why did you kill everybody in the house? And he said, well, they was home. That's horrible. <laughs> but, yo, that's, that's horrible. At the end of the day, though, when you boil down all of this shit, the reason we are killing each other is because we are on top of each other in a way right. where, you know, who are you going to kill? You're not going to go. You in a, you know, you know you're, you're not going right. downtown and you're shooting up the right. white dude who's fucking you up. You're, you're going right. to kill a nigga across the table from you that you felt disrespected you or whatever. Right. And so when we in each other's proximity like that you know that's gonna happen but it happens all over the world but what happens is people like to use that shit as a as 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 a turn away from so the conversation smart, about you know hey when Colin Kaepernick and and say yo y'all are killing black people they like to say well yeah y'all are killing each but they other they paid them off though eventually after they fucking destroyed his career and did everything oh, shit he made it. more in that settlement than he would have made plans so go you ahead so? Really? yes he did Go yes, ahead, he brother. did so he did that. He did. But, you know, what I'm saying is is that it they like to to use that as a pivot point. Whenever we say, hey, we need justice and we need uh, fair. Why is Michigan, why is the water so brown? Yo, you know what? Why? They, wait <laughs> a minute, I'm going to tell it. you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Now, they recently approved 77 million blah, blah, blah dollars to go towards the water thing. What they won't tell you is that in 2014, they they earmarked $325 million of public monies that came from the Detroit school system mm -hmm. in order to build the Red Wings and the Detroit Pistons a new stadium. Wait, wait, so when they talk that, about a, this 70s... Uh, what is that for baseball? For hockey and basketball. So when they talk about the $77 they sent to Michigan for the Flint, they're not they're still 250 short from the money they took from the school system. So don't let that shit impress you. That is so dope. And I yo, I didn't even know that though. I know facts, didn't know that. So you know what? Listen, Michael. I watch the news every now and again. I try to stay. Corey, Corey, are you single? No, ma'am. My heart belongs to a woman. Oh. Ladies, he's taking side girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he's taking he's a handsome chocolate brother. Very right. smart right. and articulate. Thank you. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. You know? Right. And this world is so disgusting. It, it is. You it know? is. It is a mess. 
it's, um, it's but I'll tell you this, it's, it, yeah. it beats the shit out of the alternative. Amen. <laughs> you know Amen. It beats the shit out of what the alternative. What is your plan? Why are you on this earth, Corey? My plan is to, um, to touch lives and exist and raise family and children. And do your best. And do my best. That's it. That's all we can do. You know? We can do our best. And RIP to my fallen soldiers that's gone, that were good dudes, good dads, good lovers, whatever, good partners, good friends, good cousins, and God rest our soul. You know, it's not it's not many people alive that are good. It's a lot of wicked, wicked, uh, oh, wicked people walking this earth but, right now. You know what? We've been this way for years and no, years. No, but it's the worse now. It's like niggas killing like, you. Know brother. The, but well, the difference is, is back in the day, if you wanted to kill somebody, you had to spend more than two seconds doing it. And so often people would stop. You know, it takes a different person to strangle the life out of somebody or to stab somebody. But when you can raise your finger and... and that was kind of creepy and gross. Well, I'm just keeping it real. A little morbid, guys. So if something happens to me, he did it. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is, it, it, you had to make the conscious decision to take a life back in the day. Now you, you have a flash of anger. Your finger pulls the trigger and somebody's dead. And it's not an accident that these... We I'm don't make post, guns. I'm not going to post this. We don't, we don't make guns. All right, guns. guys. Mm-mm. Sound a little morbid, boo. <laughs> what I'm saying is this. <laughs> Um, what I'm talking 